Hello and welcome back to the Mining Stock Daily with me, Paul Harris. Today we're talking about gold exploration in Idaho in the United States, and I'm joined by Cal Everett, President and CEO of Liberty Gold. Good morning, Cal. Uh, good morning, Paul. How's, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Um, you've just put out a, a very, very interesting drill release this morning, Cal. Um, you've been drilling, you've already discovered a uh, sizable gold deposits at your Black Pine project in Idaho. Um, and the results you put out this morning was uh, from drilling, basically linking the deposits, um, the F zone target, which is links the CD and the discovery zones. Uh, tell us about that and, and why that's important. Well, it's important for several reasons. Um, historical data, there was two little tiny pits that were showing up in that, that location spread over a three quarters of a kilometer uh, distance just between them and a couple historical holes. And um, Morris Smith, our VPX and Randy Hannock, the project manager were projecting that these things could link together. So we drilled to test the linkage. And as you can see by the results today, it's confirmed there's a 750 meter long corridor with near or at surface uh, good oxide grades over significant thicknesses, right? So when you're at surface, the strip ratio theoretically is, is going to be a little bit better because that's quick access to high oxide gold grades. But what's more material is when you go to the north, I'm going to say north, northwest on the discovery focus area, that's about 75% of the resource, okay? Then you go down to the CD pit, 750 meters away, that's around 9% of that resource or between the two, nine plus 75, 84%, right? And then you have these little tiny pits that might have a few ounces in. So what we've done is we've linked it all together into one. So theoretically, what was presumed to be waste rock on the discovery focus area where the pit was previously, where it was pit constrained with drilling, some of that now could be presumed to be ore, okay? And when you're looking at a, at a at how it eventually works out in time, only a, a drill is gonna tell you. But effectively, it seems to be coalescing into one super pit. And it's open to the east. It's open to the west. It has uh, production uh, ramifications in the fact that you've got excellent grade near surfaces, which is what we've been consistently repeating that message all year long of how we want to get near surface oxide gold mineralization for the first couple of years of the mine life, because that gives you uh, readily accessible higher cash flow and then the rest of the deposit goes on as far as the resource will take you. Thank you, Cal. Um, some of the highlights of the drilling results you put out today, 18.3 meters grading 0.95 grams per ton gold in hole 657 and 38.1 meters grading 0.74 grams per ton gold in hole 660. Now those grades are, are very high for your typical um, open pit heat bleachable oxide gold deposit in in the Great Basin, which is where you are as well. So very good grades there, very good width. So that really does reaffirm your your, your thesis there that you've got this near surface, um, high, high grade that can really boost um, future mine economics. Yeah, I think what you have to watch going forward is we're drilling at the back range now, which is several kilometers away uh, to the north. And there's two little pits up there. The drills are, there's a drill up there right now trying to draw those pits together into one large pit. There is two little tiny pit constrained resources at the M zone, which is off to the east. And there's a drill sitting in there trying to link those two pits into one bigger pit and then push that 
the boundary of that towards the Tallman pit. So what we're trying to do is link everything together as much as we can so that it gives you optionality in a potential mining scenario where you can have several operating faces or open, open pitting, and then you can phase your grades in to, to maintain your grade control of, a, of the oxide gold deposit over a life of mine. Okay, so to a certain extent, this um, changes or alters the exploration plan, yeah? Because, uh, for example, the CEF zone that's linked the CD and discovery zones on the map on with the news release, it, you know, it's a line of drill holes that connects these two, two deposits. And as you mentioned, it's still open to the east and west. So presumably you can be stepping out drilling east and west so to turn that thin line of drill holes into a broad, a broad area of mineralization um, connecting the two deposits. So you, in some ways, it seems like the company's returning to, um, you know, resource definition drilling. So really sort of trying to fill out fill in the dotted line, so to speak, um, taking a step back and then doing a big resource calculation. Yeah, because you, we, when we put out our first resource a while ago, that came in at about 2.15 million ounces of oxide gold in an average grade, I think if my memory's right, at 0.48. And so and 0.4 to 0.45 is what's being mined in the Great Basin, right, as a run of mine heat leach. So it was right in line with what the other deposits are producing at. Right, and but it had the scale on a on a planar view of what that we would often compare it to marigold of SSR mining. Right, that's a multi square kilometer oxide gold system, and a massive, uh, well run um, open pit mining scenario. I mean, SSR does an absolutely brilliant job at mining that deposit, and it's just, it once you figure out where the oxide is, it just becomes an earth moving scenario right where you're where you're taking tons and you're and you're putting them on a heat leach pad and you're dump leaching them so it once we get this thing all figured out you don't want to go put out your next resource and not put the range from discovery in it you don't want to put it out and not put this new zone in it because it all goes to economics and if there's back range m zone e pit all this kind of stuff and all these other new targets that we're going to be testing this year if they start pu pulling out decent ounces, you want those in your next resource, right? Because you want to get that next resource through at say a 0.2 gram cutoff through 3 million ounces or three and a half, whatever it is. I don't know. We don't even have modeling numbers on it yet. And once you've got that and you're comfortable that this is probably the mining scenario that we'd run into an economic study, then you commit to do that study. So it's kind of an embarrassment of having a, so much oxide here that every time we keep following the bit, we keep finding oxide. So every day that we're drilling, the management of this company and all the geologists, and there's a lot of them, we get the visual drill logs from every drill that we have on every property. So there's four drills at, at uh, Black Pine. We get those logs every night. And the geologists have it down to an art where they'll bold in their statements if it's a gray limestone with, with uh, oxidized fractures on it, right? Little tiny fractures. We know that's gonna be in the range of 0 0.1, 0 0.15, 0 0.2 gram material. If it's brecciated and highly oxidized, that's the sweet stuff. And we can tell how many zones look like it could really pay well in a given hole and what rocks they're surrounded by. And in some instances, we'll actually go out and, and just say, screw it, that hole looks so good, we're gonna drill three more holes off that drill site. We don't need to wait for assets, right? To speed up that process. So that's how that's how uh, a project this scale has to be has to be handled. 
Well, that's obviously, you know, an ideal situation to be in from a, an exploration point of view. Um, but obviously, as the sort of CEO of the company, you've got to worry about the, the market capitalization share price and obviously financing this drilling program. So taking all of that into account, um, you know, when or what, when do you expect the, the next major milestone to be? Um, and by that, I mean, you know, the next time you're comfortable of doing a resource estimate update, you know, hopefully with that sort of three or three and a half million ounces thereabouts. Um, yeah, if we get there, sort of yeah. Um, it, listen, if you want a higher number, I can lower the cutoff grade, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> <laughs> make, 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 make much logic, right, in, in the, under current market conditions, right? But um, the, I think we're going to select a, a date at the end of this year, close to the end of this year, and say, okay, every hole drilled to this certain date, that's what we're going to include in a resource estimate. And if, and if we're still drilling after that, those holes, we're not going to wait for them. We just okay. And then once you pick that date and, and do that updated resource, how soon afterwards would you um, look to do a sort of PEA update or, or similar? Uh, that's a, it's a really good question. And based on, we'll model it at length for a period of time after we see whatever the resource is and we'll play around with different mining scenarios and at that point, the decision will be made whether to do a PEA or just or just a skip one step and go right to PFS. Okay. Right. So, so that's why when you do these things, you're trying to drill them off to MNI to measure the indicated categories and to complete your metallurgy that would be close to feasibility scale. So you can jump that step. Right. Okay. So we're always ticking boxes of things we would have to do anything for any economic study. And we just keep knocking them off, knocking them off, and knocking them off. And that's why we uh, we don't say too much about it unless we accomplish something. But um, uh, it's just like acquiring uh, process water, right? Water in in the United States could be more valuable than gold. Yeah. Right. And so we've we're really close to having a hundred percent of the water that we'll need at Black Pine. We've already got. Oh, I think something like 2,300 acre feet of water uh, that's already uh, that we've already got under lease, and we don't need much more. Okay, now um, this is a you know this is a, a significant, meaningful news release you've put out today. Um, but we're in a gold market that's uh, a gold equities market where you know investors are really sort of lackadaisical; they don't really care. So, as as a CEO of a company, you know, how how are you sort of managing that? You know, you've had great results out. You're probably not going to get a, a you know big bounce in your stock today. Um, you're sitting on two million ounces already, heading towards three three plus million ounces. Fingers crossed. Um, how, how do you sort of navigate this? <laughs> the best way to explain this market was uh, when we put out a news release uh, a few weeks ago that we received a $6 million non-dilutional um, cash payment for our last uh, check owed to us for the sale of the Halilat Copper Gold Porphyry in Turkey. And we put $6 million US in our treasury with no dilution and the stock went down 2% that day. That is the best example I can give you of how um, droopy this market really is. I mean, it really is. No matter what you come out with, you the people are, are paying attention, but they're they're not engaged yet, and they have to get engaged. So it's just a case of you know being stoic and sitting it. Well, not sitting it out, but lasting it out, grin and bear it, push on. Through. Yeah, like we're we're fortunate because um, we're going to finish this year with maybe 16, 16 and a half million US in our treasury, fully funded, well into next year. And so if the share price is just going to languish here, we're still spending money, but we're not spending money at a reckless rate so as to 
as to um, destroy a treasury, right? You just can't do that. It's not responsible as management of a public company because um, we have the, the money in the company treasury is owned by the shareholders actually, right? And so that's how you have to handle it with it's in a responsible manner. Okay, so it sounds like the philosophy is in some ways, you know, it's just, you know, gold, it's a cyclical market. At some point, the cycle's got to turn and, and come back in favor. And Yeah, yeah. And if we're successful at monetizing our last Turkish asset, well, there's another chunk of change in the treasury, right? Okay. Well, let's carry on talking about monetizing assets because um, in addition to sort of Black Pine in Idaho, you have um, is it Gold Strike in, in Utah. That That's got a deposit. That's a good project in and of its own right. What's your yeah, thinking it's, there? It's a good project, but it's not near the scale of Black Pine. Black Pine is a, I don't know, it's probably close to being the largest unmined oxide gold deposit in, left in the Great Basin. Yeah. So, you know, obviously with 16 million um, at the end of the year in US, um, you don't necessarily need to monetize other assets right at this moment in time. But um, push comes to the shove if this dire market continues. Is, is, is that something that is going to become available? At this point, I wouldn't move out the second oxide gold deposit because they're rare as hen's teeth. But the Turkish deposit, um, it it doesn't it's not all that material to us in terms of it's it, it's a holding cost. Uh, and there's I think something around four and a half million gold equivalent ounces sitting on that project. We own sixty four point four percent of it. And the likely buyer buyer for that one day would probably be a Turkish mining company. Because they can build a, these kind of deposits in lira, and sell their their metal in U.S. dollars, which is what they covet. So I, I would think there's going to be interest in that, provided we see a, a pricing scenario uh, that makes sense to me. Uh, there's been you know lowball offers for it, which I've just rejected. It, it was just it was laughing matter what was coming across the table, right? Okay. Now, in, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll be in uh, Beaver Creek in Colorado for the Precious Metal Summit. Um, I know you're going to be there as well. We have a meeting booked. Um, what, what else is in your calendar? Is it in existing investors and shareholders, new investors, corporates? Um, whenever we go to these conferences, it's generally um, a collection of um, corporates, uh, in, investment funds, new investment funds. Uh, bankers from different sell side firms, because, you know, bankers are always looking to make money off something. And um, but then after you like you can only honestly take 30 or 40 meetings at these shows and then you're you're brain dead. And um, I don't know how many people are going to be there, but I mean, I've talked to our people and given the COVID issues and whatnot, we'll try to get as many meetings outside as we can if the weather is in our favor and uh, I'm going to stay away from big close knit dinners and stuff like that. Cause after that, we have to go into the Denver show. Okay. And the Denver show, they haven't even opened that up for meetings yet, but at Denver, it's a bit, a bit different. You really get up to the upper end of the corporates in that, at that show, right. It makes a lot more, it, it's more unique uh, of the highest quality of, of corporate uh, people who want to take, talk to you about certain things. So he heading into shows like that, what are your objectives? Are you like, okay, I want to secure one new good investor or I really want to turn on a corporate that I haven't spoken with before or that I've been speaking with, you know, on several occasions? Um, this year, I think it's a bit interesting and I'm not going to 
discuss anything that's under CA. But we're seeing uh, Mexican um, uh, gold producers showing up. First time I've seen that. I saw them in Denver once, and now I'm seeing it coming to Beaver Creek and Denver. And those are some of the requests that we get just to uh, do an introductory meeting. I thought that was interesting. Um, and there's a unique group of people who go to this just because it's North American gold, right? And in a stable mining jurisdiction where you've got policies and no taxation threats or expropriation threats, uh, threats on assets, right? So, you know, you never know when you can walk into a meeting that you think is, oh, well, they're just going to be, you pay them lip service and you come out with a lead that is just amazing, right? It's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing you all there. Um, Liberty Gold trades on the TSX under LGD and on the OTCQX under LGDTF. Cal Everett, President and CEO, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, you're welcome anytime. We can't wait to see you in a few weeks. And that's all from me, Paul Harris. Join us for more from Mining Stock Daily soon. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.